Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to Phil's Recap and Review. This is going to be for Star Trek Discovery, Episode 1, Season 1, The Vulcan Hello. And I'm here tonight to not to give you guys the Vulcan Hello. I'm not going to fire on you with my phasers. I'm not going to take my disruptor and say, motherfucker, I'm not doing that. But I am going to talk all about Star Trek Discovery, the premiere episode, the episode that was on CBS. I will not be talking about episode two at all tonight. I have not watched it yet. I uh, I probably will be talking about that midweek sometimes, sometime. But here we are. Star Trek is back on television. Real fucking Star Trek. Joe Dirty Locks, my co-host, was going to be able, was going to be joining me tonight, but he is not. So I'm all alone. But I'm never alone. I have with me some of the great people in the live motherfucking chat to talk about this episode of Star Trek. Well, that was, we'll talk about the good, the bad, the, the CBS of it all in here too. But really, right off the bat, I want to say I love this episode. It felt like real Star Trek to me. And I'll go as far as to say that at the highlights points of this episode, I could see myself getting to a point with this series where where I could really, really like it. And I'm not, I don't, I don't want to be so much of a victim of the moment, but as some people who know my Star Trek fandom, I'm not the biggest Enterprise fan. I do agree, as some do, that some of the later season stuff has some decent episodes, but really, I feel like all of Enterprise was... Like, this was what Enterprise should have been, right off the go, like, this kind of thing, set right before the time of Kirk, still in this world, setting up with the Klingons, all of this. Yes, some of the arcs in Enterprise were all right, but this really felt like the ultimate precursor to that era, and I also, even though I don't like Enterprise, I like the styles of the uniforms, how they sort of meshed the two of, of the original series and that, but all in all, I love the tone of this episode, I love... Not, most of the acting performances, if not all of it. I like how it looks. It looks freaking beautiful. And everything, all the interactions, the arguments, felt very fucking Star Trek. And that felt really great to me. This felt more Star Trek than any of those three films did, the J.J. films. It felt good to have it back and be watching it. It was a lot of fucking fun and really well done. I only have one minor nitpick gripe thing Besides the CBS issue, which we'll talk about, I'll talk about at the end. I want to give kind of my thoughts on the episode first before I get into any problems I might have with the way that CBS happens to be doing doing what they're doing with the series. Because I think it's it's really good and I want so many people to watch this. And the only thing that I still have a little bit of a problem with, but I'll get into it. I think it's been a lot of people that have been following the creation of the series some people, it bothers them to varying degrees, but for me, I haven't got out of my head yet about the Klingons. The Klingons, uh, the Klingons just don't, oh, sorry, Betty. Sorry, Betty. Here you go. Here you go. Go, go in that. Let me close it a little bit. The Klingons, I haven't quite been won over yet by the look of the Klingons. I like the scenes that we got with them. I like the concept of all the houses being at war and having one charismatic leader kind of bring them all together. I definitely enjoyed that. But the look of the Klingons, the masks or whatever they're doing with it, it just doesn't... I haven't been able to separate my mind in the first hour of this show from... Oh, God, those don't look good. Those don't look good. And I, I probably will get to a point where I'll get over it. But, uh... 
today is a good day to die. No, they did, they did the Klingons justice in the sense of the things they were talking about, some of the extra, like having the bat left, like all that sort of stuff, the warrior culture, the having the bodies, uh, coating, the, coating the ship, like using the dead Klingons as, as a way of uh, coating the, you know, uh, as a shield, so to speak, for the for the uh, a symbolic shield for the Klingon vessels. I like how they did the cloaking situation with all of that. I'll break down the episode point for point. I still don't know any of the... I'll say this right off the bat, too. In this recap, in this discussion, I don't quite know all the characters' names yet. So I may refer to Michael. Yes, her name is Michael. As Sasha a couple of times. Or the captain as Captain. Or the... The science officer guy as science officer guy until I have a chance to really go back and kind of get to know these characters a little bit more. A couple of little subtle touches in there. The humor was in there. That Star Trek humor was there with the with the the pilot guy doing the uh, doing the airplane from the you know, uh, put your put your tray tree tables in their upright position. We're flying in at sixty four miles per hour. Six, that's a fucking slow plane. But anyways, let's go into the fucking live motherfucking chat right now and see what, how everyone's doing. Uh, have you already finished episode two? Is it still it's still airing here? No, I've not started episode two. I'm probably going to watch episode two after this. And then Joe and I will be back on probably Wednesday or Thursday at some point to talk about Joe's thoughts on the first two episodes and my thought, thoughts on episode two. I can't wait to watch it. I was joking in the Discord group about how, about how I was considering pausing, especially when I found out Joe wasn't coming tonight. I was like, okay, what I got to do is not do this podcast right now. Go watch that episode because let's get into this. The episode ended on what I think is a very good cliffhanger in the sense of to get people hyped and get people excited for the for what's to come next. It, it definitely ends at a really intense point and it feels like a natural build throughout the whole episode. But it was one of those things that if you couldn't take a bet because of this CBS All Access thing, how... How likely it was going to be we we're going to get a big cliffhanger like that for the people that I my aunt who's watches this who watches my show and watches Star Trek but has no clue you know isn't into, into Netflix isn't the dialing she's coming I want to watch episode two they say it's Eric how do I watch it Philip I mean uh, I'm like auntie I don't Philip tell me how to do it and I, I I can't tell you okay you download the app off the CBS that you do you have a Roku do you have a PS4 what's good do you have a computer so, uh, CBS website so it's it was a very, it was a very good finish of the episode. It intense in it intensified my excitement level. I, I was not sold on Sasha or or Michael. What, I forget her last the character's last name. Um, Michael Bur, uh, Burnham or something of like that. Burnham. I wasn't sold on her going in because. I'd only known her from Sasha on The Walking Dead, and she wasn't necessarily one of my favorite parts of that series. But I think she fits into this role really well as a human raised by Vulcans. That you can see at times her trying to pull that Vulcan bullshit, and it just doesn't work inside her own mind. Or she tries to quote sort of Vulcan Vulcan cadence, and I think that's something she was doing really well from an acting standpoint. She was shifting between like human cadence and Vulcan cadence, like like she was in some sort of conflict in her mind. So. She sold me on her performance in the in the episode, and I think it's one of those things that's obviously going to be uh, the captain, who's the captain of the ship. 
she's dead person walking. I don't know if she dies in episode two. This isn't a spoiler alert because I haven't watched it yet. But she and that ship, the the Shinzo, is fucking dead ship in person walking. And then obviously the show's called Discovery. So the Discovery wasn't even in episode one. There is another uh, ship, and I think that's the one. Uh, captain by Isaacs, by Jason Isaac. And he's going to be coming on in to save the fucking day of this Klingon situation. And then somehow, probably, the Shin- the Shinzu is going to get blown up and the captain's going to die with her. And then it will be it'll force Michael to proceed up and maybe get commander. Maybe the Shinzo... Shinzo won't be destroyed and they'll just kind of work hand in hand in this war with the, with the Discovery. But I'd assume everything is ultimately going to end up on the Discovery. Unless this is cool that we're going to be following two different ships. But I know a second one does show up. They keep showing him in the previews. And if the show's called Discovery and we're meeting another ship, I, I assume that that was our main ship. I, I don't care. I mean, like, break the rules for me and have us follow five or six different ships in the fleet. That would be fucking awesome in the middle of the war and kind of bounce from story to story. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I think we're following... Uh, following Michael. Michael's our, Michael's our main character. And we're kind of going in that direction. But great to see Red Witch, great to see Alan, great to see Broke, great to see all of our friends. Long live Star Trek Discovery. Yep, everything was, uh, yep, everything except the look was very good. Yeah, exactly, Alan. The Klingon culture stuff worked really well. I like all of those parts. I like the acting performances in them. And I like how everything felt like you were in a different universe or or a completely different place when you're dealing with those Klingon scenes. I like that. And that was done exceptionally well to a point where I would say even better than they have done at some of the good Klingon moments in in TNG and DS9. Like really making you feel like a rawness of what it's like to be in a pre- Civil, you know, like on the verge of civil, you know, figuring itself out, Klingon, Klingon, Klingon group. And it's just the way they look. It's, I, and I could get over it eventually. Some people, it's not going to be as big of a problem as it is for me, but I didn't like it from the beginning. And I, and I went in with a open perspective about it. But to me, some of the masks and some of the way it looks just doesn't look very tactile, doesn't look very real to me. It's, it, it looks fake. It looks at some cases like they're wearing they're wearing bad masks, like plastic masks and stuff. And I maybe that's my television. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it'll get better. Maybe it was the lighting. I don't know what it was. But there's some the look. I feel the same exact way I felt about the look. But I loved every one of the Klingon scenes from an acting and from a story standpoint of the development of learning more about continuity of Star Trek. I feel like, again, this series is informing me more about, it's it's finding its place already as a prequel of a time period I was interested in on how you know the conflicts with the Federation and Klingon Empire basically escalated. And seeing all that and seeing that dip, uh, depicted here, I think is, it's a it's prime, no pun intended for prime timeline, but it's a prime area to explore here with the series. I'm someone that I wanted Star Trek in the future, yada yada, but that's because all I had seen before that was Enterprise. And if this series kind of keeps this trajectory and keeps building, and this is the first episode, and it had some pilot problems, some of the dialogue was a little clunky because they were trying to fit in so much backstory and information and trying to just get people that maybe aren't Star Trek fans up to date with what the hell's going on. But then there was a few like touches here and there for people that know a lot of 
a lot of shit. Like just just little touches and little winks and little nodges and, and nodges. It's like a nosh and a nodge all put together. Put together. It's yummy. It's delicious situation. It's amazing. But I I'm very very high after. I'm not very high yet. That's the problem. But I'm very high on this series right now. I'm on my way to being high. But that's not to say it was perfect. Like I said, some of the dialogue maybe had a little bit of a weird tone to it, just because it's a lot of uh, a lot of explain a lot of explaining of what's going on. Very kind of lowish on the techno babble. I felt like I was following. Excuse me, I was following the techno babble pretty well, and I feel like what I really enjoyed were the arguments. And I know I was reading in some of the people that were watching it live and we were uh, live watching it in the Discord Star Trek group. Join in the description box below. And so a couple of people were saying the science officer, that he was a little bit of a dad. They didn't really dig the vibe. See, I loved that. I loved how we had one of the things I like most about Star Trek Deep Space Nine and why I say it's the best series isn't because of the long form storytelling. Isn't because the, the main narrative is perfect. Yeah, because there are some bumps along the way, especially in the final season of Deep Space Nine. What makes Deep Space Nine the best series for me of all of them is that you see things and you can see things from different cultures and perspectives rather than just the fucking Federation where it's the love boat in space of of Next Generation. Next Generation's great. It's probably my second favorite of all the series. But there was a big, big point, especially in early Next Generation, where the crew members couldn't really argue that much. It was it was all from one perspective. Voyager kind of did that too. With it was Janeway's like you were on Janeway's side, or you're fucked, or be fucked. And you can say the same thing about Enterprise too with Archer. It was it was no fuck, fuck any. You want a different perspective? Archer's right, motherfucker. And it didn't really kind of show a wider net. I feel like seeing a different culture creature like that that's kind of wrapped in a different way that's whole soul existence is to sense death. And it's just this, of course, if something's soul existence is to set, sense death, it will be a complete pessimist hypochondriac. And someone asked, why does that, I think it was Kay Rich said, then why would that person join Starfleet? That's going to be a great story to explore if we want to develop characters. That could be a whole one-off episode of taking it down taking it through that character and learning about it like it what like we got say a data episode or on 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 Deep Space 9 we got a Julian episode or a Miles episode or something that was based around character and allowed us to grow and know a fucking character better. So I think while those things are set up, I see where the money went. It looks fucking beautiful without looking fucking fake. It looks to me better than the fucking movies did. And I know someone's out there to go Phil, it does not. It totally fucking does. I see where the money went on this series and it's for me, it's cast well. The only issues I have with it right now are the way the Klingons look. I can get over that. And the whole CBS All Access on the television thing. I know some people are, oh, it's, you know, you have to pay $6 a month. It's not the point that I have to fucking pay $6 a month. It's the fact that they're doing the Scott Bayo Stone thing. And what I mean by that is there's a movie called Stone in junior high school starring Scott Bayo where he smokes too much weed. But like the dealer starts off, it's, I used to call this the, the, the stoned, the stoned gag or something or the stone trick when they're like, yeah, yeah, take one for free. Hey, go take one for free. You like that, don't you? Yeah, it tastes good, right? You like you like to smoke that, right? Yeah. Mm. Mm mm mm. Next won't cost you 10 bucks. And that's what they're doing with this, especially with the ending of this episode. It's just like, oh, fuck me. Oh, okay, is this fucking six bucks? And I get why they're doing it. They put a lot of money into this series, but everywhere else besides the United States, I'm pretty sure, and I could be wrong about this, that some other places don't, but I'm pretty sure everywhere else outside the United States that has Netflix, this is on Netflix. And 
If CBS wanted to make money in that context, then sell the Netflix app instead of using this as a way to sell your CBS All Access app that isn't even all that. My problem, too, is you say the series premieres at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on your app. In fact, you start advertising episode two is already up on the app during episode one. So why couldn't you have just released episode one on the app right at 8.30 to pay off the people that bought it like HBO does with Game of Thrones where they just kind of drop the episode. You'd be like, oh, they're new at this. Then you're new at this. Then don't make me buy your subpar online service that has, oh, oh. 32 episodes of 90210 on and I can watch uh, 50 uh, 50 fucking uh, 50 taxi episodes yay or like oh I've been, I've been dying to watch that episode of uh, that that episode of oh, someone someone said something early there's there's like crazy shit but crazy shit on there but I just think the CBS all access thing isn't quite fleshed out so riddle me this Batman okay if you really wanted to do this and and I get it you want to sell this product and you want to kind of start doing individual more higher content higher money going into it programming and not sell sell your shit to Netflix okay then the transition to this was sloppy that's my problem with it, it isn't that they're doing it it's that they're just fucking doing it instead of transitioning into it in a way that you say instead of showing us one episode and up into a cliffhanger you do a three night three night event Star Trek is back on television, like V was in the 80s. Do a three-night premiere where you where you play four episodes in three nights. You don't do it opposite football, so it gets it gets pushed back 18 minutes by 60-minute flashback crap. You do it as like a three-night three night or four-night preview or a whole week dedicated. I know it's like, oh, I'm not sure if people are – but whatever. You tell – if you're banking this to sell your all-access thing, you really need to go out and do this. Give us the four episodes. Give us one complete story, you know, from beginning to end, so to speak, until we get into whatever our long-form story is. Then you have it go over to the access, but you don't, you have everything be like a week behind or something. You have it released on CBS All Access on Sundays, new episodes. Then you pick some shit crack asshole time of the week or something, and you just show the episode once, even... Maybe not all of the episode. You have like the full runtime. Maybe you cut around the things, a couple of a couple of scenes that were cut for the broadcast version of in the CBS All Access. And you encourage people that way to buy it. Or you have special behind the scenes stuff, special uh, diagrams of the inside of the ships, uh, special Klingon culture bullshit shit. Anything that encourages people to want to buy the app. You don't strong arm them and force them to buy a subpar online streaming product to watch your show to launch it at least i think that's that's shady to me that's grand nagus zek is going inconceivable or something like that to me that's the biggest problem here it has nothing to do with the, the show itself because the show itself i think is excellent and that's why i wanted to get my thoughts on the show out first and then say yeah that it is a little fuck to me my initial reaction about it was fucked, and I think it's fucked still. I think it's a it's a it's a bully tactic to the fucking Star Trek fans. It's like fuck you guys. And Star Trek's one of those things that because of this, more people are going to be talking about stories going to be written about this shit instead of talking about how awesome this fucking show is. You know how I want as many people as possible to be able to follow this Star Trek and have it be a success, so we can get more Star Trek on television. Because if this show fails then we won't have it for a long, long time. They're like, oh, fuck. Let's put that in the basement with the other shit. Rant over with.
Rant over with, everybody. Joe says it's totally fucked. We got Joe Dirty Locks in the fucking, uh, fucking stream right now. Both episodes got uploaded 20 minutes into the live broadcast. It's not a subpar. I do think it's a subpar thing because you can get all the episodes and all the things that are there on other places. Unless you're a Survivor fan, which I am, and I'm excited I get to watch all 500 episodes of Survivor. Woohoo! I think it's not quite... I think you need to coax someone better into this. You can't just put this up. And I think compared to Netflix, compared to Hula, compared to HBO Go, compared to any of these other apps that have been going on longer, having fucked around with it, and I have a bunch of them downloaded, the CBS app is a little buggy. And and this it was running a little slow and it and some of the in the fact that we don't have all the episodes of every CBS show up there. Why do I have six episodes of Family Ties? Why don't I have the entire Family Ties series? I mean, maybe that stuff will come eventually, but I just think until it's up and running and fully functional, it, for me anyways, I think they shouldn't be they shouldn't be pushing it to watch this series. But that's me. Uh, show is great. CBS is a vile, short-sighted sleep thief, says K. Rich. They should drop the whole season like Netflix so you can binge the whole thing during your free trial. Uh, unless you subscribe to the versions with commercials. I can't wait for CBS to go broke and sell Star Trek to UPN or TVS. Keep, try keep trying to charge money. We've never had to pay for Star Trek before. I've gotten one error, but I remembered where it left off. Fully functional data. You're right. The whole catalog should have been a bit. And that's not, all that I'm not saying it's a shit thing. I think at concept, I get what they're saying. I just think it could have been a friendlier transi transition into it rather than, hey, whoop, you like it? Take this. You got to do this now. And maybe they should have. I think they should just offer a little bit more op options. And cool, that's cool that it came out 20 minutes after the episode aired. I think it should have come out right at 8.30. Fuck the television. That's part of the benefit of having the app, that you can watch the series when it starts right at 8.30 instead of anything that might get preempted. I just think that's it's, it's just cooler to work that way. But that's, that's just my per perspective. If anyone has any thoughts, by the way, that want to get their thoughts in, we do have a phone line open right now where we'll leave voicemails and or texts at 781-990-8509. Again, that's 781-990-8509. Leave your thoughts about, about what you thought about this episode of of Discovery. I'm not, I am not used to what to call it yet. Of... of uh, STD. Tell me what you think about STD. What was your favorite element of the STD tonight? And you let me know. And obviously, feel free to bitch a little bit about CBS if you want, but I also don't want to get past, I don't want to turn this all into me talking shit about that. I want to kind of get that out of the way. I'm not going to bemuse that point all season. It's a thing. It sucks. Whatever. If the show's good, I don't care. My only problem with it, if the show's good, is I don't want this to soil some people's perspective that might enjoy the show otherwise. That I know some Trek fans that are just like, not nope, not watching it, not paying for it, and I agree with them. But that sucks because so much of Star Trek is the support of the amazing fan community that builds, that's kept Star Trek alive through the darker times. And the fact that some people are feeling completely fucked by this situation. And it's not like, oh, screw that. Like, no, not screw them. Star Trek, this is the fan series that made, like, Annex and all those other fucking fan movie stuff that maybe I don't love or some of it's better than others. But still, it's such a lot. It could, it's one of the founding forces of a, of a, mo of a group of people into one particular you know, medium or something. You know, Star Trek was huge and it started a whole generation of bullshit sorry i hear some shit in the other room are you okay are you okay in there okay. let me close that shit 
STD. Okay, I don't feel ripped off. I'm I'm used to paying for STDs. Yes, STD is basically an STD. Wasn't asked for it. Wasn't pleasant, and you can't get it at sleep. They only have one show that we haven't seen before Star Trek. Everything else is repeats on all access. This is why I'm glad it's on the app. No, uh, no. Oh no, yeah. Not having to worry about when it's going to broadcast or something like that. Star Trek Shinzu. Who wants more STD? Greedy asses. $6 a month for basically bullshit. It's basically $6 a month to watch this series. Because everything else, unless unless you're a CBS reality show fan, which they do, I have to say, have extensive catalogs of all of that stuff. Like literally all 500 episodes, 511 episodes of Survivors there. And then like whatever all those other shows are. If you're into game shows or or if you really want to rewatch those award shows on CBS, you can watch them too. And they have some movies. You know, some uh, some interesting choices for movies, too. Uh, I just think, I don't know. I think it's an interesting, it's a difficult situation because I get it. They want to make something that's a little bit higher higher produced. But it just would make sense then to, you know, sell it to a Netflix or Hulu or whatever. Isn't that the way the thing works right now instead of trying to sell something? It, again, maybe if you had a couple shows, you did a couple of unique programming. And I think eventually they probably will. I, I just don't like the standard it sets because I think sooner or later, if you keep going down this road, every everything that's good about the streaming mediums and seeing all, getting all these, you know, getting Hulu, getting Amazon or getting Netflix and kind of getting access to all these other shows and watching them and binge watching old shows. I think that's part of what made this generation of the entertainment landscape of the way people receive stuff. It's about binge watching old shows. And if all of a sudden, and also with some people that have been cutting the cord for cable and kind of just getting a few apps and being able to enjoy their watching experience while paying for a few apps, getting some unique television experiences. If it keeps going down this road and it's kind of doing this already to an extent, and then some some person's going, of course it's going to be this idiot. Stop talking, good idiot, Phil. Of course it's going to be like this eventually. And it, it's it's... It sucks. Uh, this is an old man. Back in my day, you could watch so many shows on one app. But now what it's going to be like, if especially if this is success, and CBS is going to pull all their other content off of other mediums and have, and then bring all CBS shows are going to be there, which it should be anyway. But whatever. Pull them off other places. And then to watch reruns of How I Met Your Mother, you need to... Get the CBS app. It's available nowhere Available nowhere else. Watch re replays of Seinfeld on the NBC app. Uh, watch Married with Children only on the Fox app. Uh, watch Buffy only on the Buffy app. And then before you know it, to watch everything you want, you're going to have to be juggling so many balls of apps to cancel this month and this, that. And your cable bills, your, your app bill is going to be 10 times what the cable bill was at the peak of the shittiness. Where everyone's gonna, they're slowly gonna jack up the prices from like the six ninety nines to ten ninety nine to nineteen ninety nine a month. Before you know it, you're like, you have to be like, oh god, I have to make a decision here. <laughs> and I just, I fear it going in that direction too much. And that's a bigger issue that has nothing to do with Star Trek Discovery. But whatever, let's get into the episode. Let's get into the fucking episode here. And let's not waste let's not waste any more time, even though I wasted a lot of fucking time. <laughs> let's listen to a little and now this this song is even more relevant than ever called Captain's Chair. <laughs> Recap
<laughs> Brooke's like, that recap was weak. Recap! I know, Nymeria, what a time to tune in. Nymeria 2 did it right at the wrong time. Sorry, more music. I gotta let the cat out. Okay, let's get to this recap of this episode. And as I mentioned earlier, this isn't going to be as full of a recap as I usually get into because I don't know the characters' names. And this is, it more reads as my reaction while I'm watching the episode rather than a full recap. But it is a recap. So let's get to this motherfucking recap. Exclusive content is the uh, differentiation. Uh, is the difference since they have no geographic monopoly. Uh, what's going on? Barely a sandwich. Phil's ADD moment. Scream it. Fucking uh, Torrent Project has been taken down, so no pirating there. Uh, recap. Yeah, they're going to be on it. CBS is going to be on that tonight. Fucking on it, motherfuckers. So, okay. So let's get into this recap of this motherfucking episode. Woo, woo, woo. It's hot in here. Hot. I'm like in the side of Klingon ball right now. <clears throat> What's that? What's that, Worf? Give them the names. They had they earn their names, motherfucker. Okay, so this episode starts out with some inspiring Klingon words. And I like how the it's I was kind of more visually watching what was going on, so I wasn't really kind of reading as much as I probably should in this part, but I got things about uh, the, the, all the houses of the Klingon Empire need to come together, something for Kalas. I, I like Stephanie goes, Kalas? Did I say Kalas? I was like, yep, they, uh, the Kalas reference there for, for me. And, oh shit, what the fuck are you doing? doing situ what are you doing, audio recorder? So, uh, a quick speech about the houses, about Kalas, about... Something about the Federation, they're dangerous, We're, we need to stay Klingon, Are we We need to assemble, Kling, Klingon Council, assemble! <laughs> Wait, that's, that should have done. Klingon Council, assemble! <laughs> and it's, we open up with some inspiring Klingon words. Oh, wrong one. Ins what the fuck, wrong, oh, wrong button. So we woke up with some inspiring Klingon words. Hit it, Scotty. They need exclusive content. They have no geographic monopoly anymore. Good point. Good point. Uh, great. So we get a great intense speech. Don't love the looks, but it is intense. And then it was really kind of creepy as he just subtly speaks in English for a second and goes, we come in peace. <laughs> and you're like, fuck, they're not coming in any fucking peace except for to kill some motherfucking Federation members. Omen says the Klingon sound a little weird. Heath Hinton, what's up, everyone? Just watched episode two. It was way better than, uh, the Orville. Uh, who needs Klingons when you got the Klingon m, &M? <laughs> So then we get a mission between, or we get the captain and the first officer doing a mission on Tatooine as they're, we get some great visuals. We see, uh, we see Darth Maul following them in the background or something like that. And we get, we're introduced for the first time to our main character of the series, Michael 
Burnham. Michael Burnham, played by Sasha from The Walking Dead. And we also meet the captain who kind of pretty much seals her own fate of death by the end of this season by telling Sasha, giving her the number one Riker treatment where, why the fuck, Riker, why the fuck haven't you uh, taken command yet? You need a command. Kind of just gives her some friendly ribbing, and I like the banter back and forth, right away hitting the ground ru- running. I like how they set us in motion, and they give us, and they set us through, through Michael's perspective. I like that we're not the main character isn't the captain. That's a subtle little change, or I guess the big change. But I think you see something like Deep Space Nine. It his Cisco was the main star, the main narrative of the story. Th- throughout was him but there were so many episodes with so many other characters that felt like other leads that at times you didn't always feel like Cisco was he was in essence he was in every episode but sometimes he'd just be a cameo like walking by or something like that but just on uh, a side there but what I like about this series is fresh to not necessarily be following a captain and be from their perspective mainly as you are in Next Generation and Voyager and Enterprise to a certain extent and I'd say I'd say the same thing with Deep Space Nine, although I think that casts slightly wider net. But having it be a first officer, having having be someone that has the kind of background she does with the with the Vulcan situation, we'll get to that in a little bit. I just think it's an interesting setup and feel and just feels fresh and something that could feel kind of watered down. The strongest character was Michael. I agree. She was she was really awesome. Wait, why? Wait, Don the Dawn of Ice and Fire in the live motherfucking chat. Her, her, her name is Michael. I thought honestly, I had to double check that a couple times because I read it before I before I heard it, where I was reading description like what Sasha's named on the, and I was kind of looking up character names so I wouldn't sound like a complete asshole. And I'm like Michael, and then I think the captain's name is like Philip or something like that. It's uh wait, what's her name or something? It's chief medical officer no I'll, I'll get to it later but now someone else has a male name too it's weird it's a, the michael name is interesting i'm naming my son jessica and po- protest says says don uh he pinton says did you guys notice the star wars easter eggs all while walking down the hallway listening to the intercom dr naboo uh, corporal solo no i didn't i didn't hear that that's awesome wait the other characters Wait, there are other characters to give a damn about? The showrunners have a history of giving female characters male names. We need, we desperately need a Q cameo. I wouldn't be surprised if we got a Q continuing uh, cameo of some sort. We have gotten word. I was talking about this with people earlier. Uh, I believe Jonathan Frakes let out the let, let the cat out of the bag, let the spot out of the bag when trying to take care of Data's cat. That we're gonna get some Mirror Universe episodes this season. So I bet that. They really, in listening to a little bit more about this production team, they care about Star Trek history. And I think we're going to get shout-outs and references and not ham-fisted in there, but just naturally into the story beats. Not like Enterprise did it when you have like, oh, there's the Frankie showing up, there's this, there's I don't think you're going to see things like that, but I think it's going to be done in very cool ways. At least that's my hope. Mm-hmm. About to check out this new Star Trek episode, thought I'd stop in and show some love to the motherfucking chat. Tim F., great to see you, buddy. Great to see Habla. Great to see all of my friends in the live motherfucking chat. So, uh, okay, so then we get some back and forth with the captain and her on the... on. The- you don't trust me, Captain. I trust you with my life, Commander Burnham, but it doesn't change the fact that you're lost. 
very lost. Technically, we would be lost. How long until that storm comes crashing down on us? I estimate one hour, 17 minutes, 22 seconds. Which is why I've made sure we're not lost. The map says the well's this way. I heard that too. Amanda Spock's mother is going to be on the series as well. This drought's going to last 89 years. The crepusculans are facing extinction as a species. See those XX? Those are their offspring. They've survived here for over a thousand years, Michael. Right. And if we don't do something now, they won't live another thousand hours. The ambient radiation from a nearby meteor drilling accident dried out their water table. If we can get in and out without making contact, we can steer clear of General Order 1. And there is the well. I stand corrected. Ye of little faith. Yeah, a couple of people in the live chat saying no Borg plays, uh, no Ferengi plays. I, I don't see how they could do the Borg and make it make any logical sense. No pun intended. And I do think this series is going to try to make logical sense. I just don't see the Borg being able to fit in at any point in time unless it's first contact. Yeah, first contact counts. So it was the Borg stuff found on the planet and oh, fuck. I, 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 def, I hope we don't get the Borg either in this series, at least not anytime soon at any point in time. It just wouldn't make a lot of sense. Q, I think could you could definitely have a Q cameo of some sort. The Ferengi or something like that. I, I just wonder when first contact was the Ferengi. I think it's back in next generation time. The first time we've seen the Ferengi in a while. Well, I think Picard was part of the like original original interaction with the Ferengi on, on his first ship that he was the first officer on. Then blanking on the uh, the one he eventually took over. Then blanking on the name of the ship. But yeah, we might see a dead Borg or something like that. Phil needs to recite the 281 rules of uh, acquisition. Family is uh, exploit family. It's the best way to happen. So we get some back and forth about the mission. We see a different race, some alien-like uh, bug creature. Right away, it feels like Star Trek. I like I like Sasha. I like Michael. Her cadence works well for this kind of thing. I see why she was cast. Looking back and forth through the uh, through the mission, well shot. Looks really good. Love the communic the communicator sounds. Love it. Almost almost right out of uh, original series. Like how that like how how they sounded. Although I do miss one of the, I do miss the slapping on your chest thing. Spock is the prince that was promised. Oh, wrong show. I, actually, it's funny you say that. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna talk about that a little bit later. There was something about uh, someone being bathed in blood or something, being reborn or something. Forget what, it, forget what it was. So, uh, okay. So then we get uh, the communicator sounds. I really like it. The, the And we get we get them that are trapped. Uh, anyways, we love the command sounds. We're, we're there trapped till someone can get a lock on them. So they start walking in a circle around there. They're walking around to see what's up. As we flash around to the slimy bug creature, the Tremors creature. I kind of thought it was going to go all Tremors and the creature was going to come and suck them under. But anyways, the captain tells number one, she should be in charge. You've been under me seven years. And they just keep walking and walking. But they, they uh, she's grateful. My name is Michael. And they kind of have a what if scenario of how they would handle living here for 89 years. What would you do? Sasha says, uh, Sasha says, well, you know, I would, uh, I could, I could talk to the locals. I'd, I'd adjust. I'd, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd live here. I'd figure it all out. And the captain's like, well, I'd fucking escape. And they're walking and eventually the, 
the starship comes down and she says, I set a star and we, we pan up and it looks like one of the communicators on their, on the chest, like the Star Trek symbol that she kind of walked in a Star Trek symbol thing. Thought this was kind of a little cheesy, but I didn't mind it. It was a little cheesy though. The Stargate, thank you, Omen. Thank you, the Stargazer. I would, that would have bothered me all night. That would have been one of those ones like, fuck, what was the ship that, that he took over where there was problems and he took over for the captain? You never would have taken over in the Stargazer when the captain fell down. Sorry, I was quoting Q from Tapestry there. Mm. Fucking Nausicans stabbing their fucking motherfuckers. Timeline continuity important on this one. Borg don't belong. I agree. This series more than anything, I think it's going to be as good as the continuity keeps and as good as it stays strong like this. I think after one episode, you can already see the kind of show it's setting up and it's a show that cares about this crap. And if they get things wrong, it's, it's you know, maybe for a reason. That's why I'm saying like with the science officer, why would a creature like that join Starfleet? There, there's, there's, there's a deep soul there. There's some story about he's a Garrick-like creature where he's been uh, uh, shunned by his people and Starfleet was the only place that would take him. It's like some shit's going on. He Maybe he's a spy, maybe, I don't know, for, and there's going to be a war with it, their race later on or something. I don't know. Like, there's going to be... This series also seems to me like the type of series that's going to have a lot of out-of-nowhere things. A lot, It's going to shock you and bring you on a roller coaster ride. And as much as we can kind of set up and think these, you know, it's going to be all about the Klingon in the Federation War, I think they may be going in a direction where they make Klingons in the Federation have to work together against a common enemy kind of thing. And that's what brings them together on some level, even though to at least get on... I don't know. I don't know. I honestly don't know. And it's really exciting to kind of speculate where this series is going to go. And if it's going to be by the numbers, sort of a war, maybe that'll be a second season where, or maybe this, maybe it will just be a full out crazy fucking war, Dominion War style thing with the, with the Klingons. I don't know. I just, I got a feeling like there's something more going on here. It's not just as simple as why are the Klingons deciding to do this right now? Is it Federation expansion or whatever? I don't know. Or is it at some other force or some other prophecy or something? Because the, the Klingon guy, that's one of the other things I took in from the other scenes when you started speculating about you don't believe in the prophecy. And I, I, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, they peaked me. They bit me. I'm, I'm a little, I'm, I feel the tingle in me. And I want to know what, what, I want to know more. I want to know more. Um, so, oh, at, oh, cool. I can't wait to watch that after I'm done here. The after track to see if it's, if it's, uh, if it's a good show. I didn't necessarily, uh, well, different station. I was gonna say some other channels have tried things like that and they didn't necessarily work. Uh, like the after Thrones thing on Game of Thrones on HBO last year didn't really work. And I hope this is really good because, you know, they should have me on as a guest. <laughs> Anyways. The season trailer had all kinds of things in it, but then again, it's a 16-episode season. DS9 is the best. I agree. As of right now, it's, it'll be hard to pass it. I, deep, I like Deep Space Nine is up there as my, one of my favorite television series of all time, not just Star Trek ones. But I got to say, I am happy. I was cautiously hopeful walking in, and I am still. Phil is Felixing it. <laughs> Phil is Neelix. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, that's horrible. That's horrible. You can call me a fucking bloody asshole. Don't call me Neelix. So. <laughs> okay, so anyways, they end up going back up to the ship. So then we get the intro. Gotta say, I love the music. 
it felt Star Trek-y. Felt, they had those kind of tones, like the original series theme song, the dun, 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 or the, those first notes and shit before the theme kicks in. I thought the theme song fit very well. And I also really like the animation done in the intro. It's kind of newish and had a cool vibe to it. It was, it looked like almost like a, a cool indie video game I would have liked to play at times. And I don't know, I thought, I thought the intro worked really, really well. So then we get into the start of the episode proper. So to try. So to speak. 1207.3. And we get our first and we get our first captain's log, which is uh, interesting to hear from a first officer's perspective. And I got to say, she probably practiced this a billion times, but she gets the captain's log cadence here really well. It it made me very happy to hear this again. You know, it's this is one of those things that's just a subtle tenant to Star Trek television to hear the captain's log like this, explaining what's going on with the first officer's log in this case. And. For whatever reason, it's just these little subtle things that I felt were missing in some other Star Trek we've had since, I was going to say Deep Space Nine, but I know there's Voyager fans out there, and Voyager's very Star Trek, too. It's I, starting with Enterprise, but <laughs> I can't, and I know there's Enterprise fans out there, but I can't get on, I've tried it several times. I've been on, I've talked to a lot of other Star Trek fans, and some people really love Enterprise, and i and my cousin Alan's one of them. Some of the people I've talked to on you, other YouTube people about Star, Star Trek stuff. I've never been able to get into Enterprise. And I think part of it is maybe to do with the theme. And the first time I watched it, that theme. And I could never get it out of my fucking mind. I I pick the weirdest, stupidest reason sometimes not to like things. And whatever happened in that time period. And I, part of it was the theme and how I felt. Uh, Enterprise just never did it for me. And, I'm a, and I've said this before, I'm a huge Quantum Leap fan. I've, what's that have to do with anything? But I am. I love Scott Bakula. Maybe that's part of it, too. It was hard for me to see him as anything but but Sam Beckett. And I'm like, oh, Sam leaped into a really boring leap here. And then when the show started to get decent towards the end, then they fucking fucked it all over with that last episode. I just hope this whole show isn't some simulation in Riker's holodeck. That's, a, that's what I'm hoping. The only thing I hope about this series at this point. But, anyways, let's listen to the captain's log. Captain, tell me your log. 1207.3. On Earth, it's May 11th, 2256. A Sunday. The crew of the USS Shenzhou has been called to the edge of Federation space to investigate damage done to one of our interstellar relays. Blast burns around the hole are inconclusive. Were they caused by an asteroid? Or was it deliberately destroyed to limit Starfleet communications? And if so, by whom? Despite the risks of our mission, I remain optimistic. It's hard not to be in the face of such beauty. In this case, a binary star system. Around these two suns, ice, dust, and gases collide to form planets future generations will call home. A humbling reminder that all life is born from chaos and destruction. So uh, that that's her intro, and it's I really liked it. And then we get into some crew banter as we make our way into the ship and kind of get the layout of what the what the bridge looks like. And I actually really like it. I like it better than the bridges look on the reboot movies that look too much like an eye store to me at times. <laughs> and everything's all bright and wow, I just don't like it. But I like how gritty kind of this looks and. I don't know. I really like the way the bridge looked and like the setup of the ships and it felt 
again, like a logical, realistic precursor, even though the technology and obviously the quality of TV making is up compared to 90s Star Trek, uh, 90s and early 2000s Star Trek. I still feel like this was a good precursor to that and precursor to original series stuff that you got in the movies and that it could be that universe with that. And also felt like it was a pushing. The only, I mean, again, this isn't a complaint about the series itself. It's just a complaint about Star Trek and what they choose to do. It would have been really awesome if they just chose to do the future of the prime timeline and to see what they can do with technology now from a television making standpoint and use that where they can just kind of push things because it's the future of the time that we saw in the 90s instead of going back, which I, which is just a minor thing that I always wish, as much as I like everything that happened and I'm not going to complain about the series for this purpose, I always would rather, I'd rather something post-Nemesis rather than, rather than pre-original series because reboots have inherent problems that will pop up. And as George Martin, George R. R. Martin says with books, it's butterfly. You know, you crush one butterfly, it leads to another. You have to be very careful when doing a prequel not to fuck things up for the future of things that were supposed to happen or first events or, I think, this is one of those things that Enterprise didn't do well at all. So, Janeway was the worst casting job in the history of Star Trek. Uh, Janeway is garbage. We got a lot of J Janeway garbage stuff going on in the live chat. Uh, I think it, I think there was some problems with that, and I think the first person to admit that Janeway was garbage was was Kate Mulgrove. If you listen to the, if you've ever watched the Captain's documentary, she talks about how at that time period she wasn't a good mother and she wasn't a good actress, and I believe her. <laughs> <laughs> I think the problem with Voyager, Voyager was wasted potential. The whole first season of Voyager should have been like a war between the Maquis and the Federation people. And Janeway should have been challenged a lot more by someone like Chakotay. And I think as much as Janeway was the problem and Kate Mulgrove, maybe, I think some of the other problems were people like Chakotay. I think he's the worst piece of shit on the entire show, personally. <laughs> but whatever. I, I'm not here to talk about Voyager. So... <laughs> take it back such a random character to bring back wait, wait, wait. oh mud oh mud coming in there J oh Janeway's the worst character I'll take it back oh we have some Janeway love going on right there <laughs> so uh, we get into the first officer's glut then we zoom in around the ship we see some crew members banter and we meet our crew members well the first keep member. looking well, the comment was figurative I'm expressing concern finish your scan so you can express facts instead <laughs> The bridge is yours, Mr. Saru. Yes, Commander. Yes, number one. Your chief science officer is worried. Something took a bite out of our relay. Saru thinks it was malicious. Saru's Kelpian. He thinks everything's malicious. What do you think? Any idea what it is? By all indications, nothing intelligent. But? Starfleet's reputation for tech hygiene is exemplary. When a relay goes down, the Federation sends a ship to fix it. You think someone's trying to get our attention? If they are, they have. <coughs> Lieutenant Saru, what do we have? Huh. I have taken the initiative. So, I mean, there's a lot of it. I kept, I kept kind of recording it, but basically we just get... We get a whole big lead up. Let me yada yada a little bit of this. The captain comes out and needs to know what's going on. We get more banter. Then they sent something, but no one can tell what it is. But I just screamed out loud while I was watching this. It's a cloak Klingon ship. So it's a cloak Klingon ship. But there's back of, more back and forth banter between the science officer and Michael, our first officer, Sasha from The Walking Dead. 
uh, some people were were talking about this stuff I, and not loving all of this. I loved every second of it. I liked the fact that we need to establish what the hierarchy and what the interaction level excuse me, is on the ship. And instead of, and I think it was done in a, in a, in a good way, but listening back, I think we can hear what the biggest problem with the dialogue is in this section. At least for me, it's rapid fire. They were trying to fit in so much. And I think that makes sense as you're not being introduced. This isn't the first time these people are working together. They've been working together for seven years. This crew is a long-term crew. So they're already hitting their beat points. Where usually, again, when we meet, meet up with these crews, historically, it's the first time, not the first time, we're seeing the introductions to them. In this case, we're seeing a crew that's been together and already has their beats rolled out. And I think part of it is it just goes so quick. Huh. I have taken the initiative. Play. Out there, Captain. Yes, number one tells me you suspect foul play. Well, despite the first officer's constant need to dismiss my ideas. She apparently agrees with you. Really? I'm shocked as well. And Zincana, agreement between my senior officers. Note the date and time. Noted, Captain. Is this amount of sarcasm always necessary? Necessary, no. But I do like it. There is something else out there. What do you have, sir? I think it was an android, Ian, asking about the little helmet thing. I think it was an android of some sort. Active scans are being deflected. I'm having trouble locating the source. So something's out there, but no one can tell me where or what it is. Uh, wait. And what I'm hoping out of this series is that all these different characters we're meeting on the bridge and all these ones we have quick asides to, we see this, we see this uh, space android thing creature running the ship. We heard the guy in the background that was the, that was the pilot yelling. We have our first officer here. We have our science officer. I hope, and I'm, and I guess I, I really do feel like it's going to go in this direction that it's going to be Deep Space Nine inspired. I've heard some of the show creators talking and talking about how they want this show to kind of have a Deep Space Nine uh, next generation, a cross between a Deep Space Nine and next generation feel to it. And I, that's fine with me, especially because they want to tell more long form stories. And to tell those properly, you need to do character expo ex exploring. You need to get inside characters and really do that. And I think. Voyager and Enterprise did not do that well. And I don't even, and I think Next Generation did that well, which is why I think Next Generation is so much better than Voyager, even though it was episode of the week. Just from a simple show standpoint, I think Next Generation, from great performances, witty writing, interesting, unique storylines, really knew how to explore character pretty well for a show like that, for an episode of the week kind of show. Deep Space Nine, on the other hand, was a seven-season seven story arc. And if you go with the Bajoran storyline and the, and the Dominion thing popped in around season two, I think the first mention of the Dominion happened. And you can even see maybe you could project some seeds of it early on in season one, too. So I feel like this series, Discovery, is going to be set up a little bit more like this. This is going to be a... a a certain storyline, a graphic novel of sorts, rather than a one-off, episode after episode. So I have a feeling we may get some of that Deep Space Nine character exploration stuff that I'm really excited for because I, like uh, someone else is saying, like Brendan in the uh, live chat right now, I'm with you. I feel the same way you do. I love, I love all of Star Trek. And 
except for maybe except for maybe Enterprise. I love I have love for every Trek series or or medium that it has come out in. But I I would say I'm a Deep Space Nine fan for like above everything else. That's my favorite of them all. Anyways, Netflix Star Wars series coming now in three, two, one, bam. <laughs> Three, two, one, now, motherfucker, Th- do it. So, uh, Brendan, take that back. Jake is a coward. Ghost leg. Oh, poor dog. Poor dog. He'll go. He'll be. He's spending time with Vic in the holodeck. He'll be fine. So we get a good debate. Uh, good debate between the two characters, where both of them are right. Play, damn you. It's lurking. The scattering field it's emitting suggests intent. We see something we don't understand and instantly cast judgment. Maybe it's lost. Maybe it's afraid to show us its whole self. Hiding. But maybe hoping to be found. Here we are speculating. I especially recommend we leave it alone. I'm not sure we have much choice. We can't lock onto it. And we don't have a shuttle maneuverable enough to navigate the ring. I'll go. All I need is a thruster pack. With the high levels of radiation kicking off those binaries, she'll have 20 minutes until her DNA starts to unravel like noodles. Like noodles? I'll be back in 19. A flyby. It seems a waste of the ship's resources. What will be gained? You do understand that being afraid of everything means you learn nothing. There's no opportunity to discover, to explore. And here I thought we were doing a deep space communication relay audit. You're both right. Saru, go with her. Captain, that's to keep variables to a minimum. I wouldn't want to put my colleague at risk. And you, Mr. Saru, are you equally happy not to be put at risk? Oh, on any occasion, Captain. You realize, once you reach that scattering field, you... So, I mean, I'm just playing I'm just playing a little bit because I like the dialogue and it kind of went back and forth pretty cool. But ultimately, it just leads into she is going to... <laughs> She's going to fly from, uh, she's going to do the data move from, uh, is it First Contact or is it Nemesis? When, uh, no, it's Nemesis, I believe, when he jumps from ship to ship. And uh, so they're watching her do her thing as he blasts off. She's having fun. She's smiling and laughing while she's doing it. We go to the back ship. They're like, what's up with her? She's got an elevator. Oh, she's having fun. She's enjoying it. Oh. And uh, I like the characterization. I like the way the ship looks as well. I, I pointed out there in the notes. Great start here to get us in this world. She can't get to her, or she's flying around like a superhero, like Iron Man or something like that. It's uh, she sees that eventually she kind of flies towards the anomaly that they that they can't detect what it is with the sensors. She sees that it's a ship of some sort. Michael starts describing it. She says it's sublime, and and uh, she jokes. I like, and I I wrote like this right here. I like her a thousand times more than her on The Walking Dead right now. And uh, she has to wait like 10 minutes and uh, and she's kind of looking around, talking on the microphone. And before she knows it, she turns around and her, her sensor little, little video game visor thing detects that uh, a Klingon's there with a Batliff. And, and you just see a bat Klingon, Batliff. And it kind of strikes at her in space. Then we have this space battle, this space battle between a, with a, her and a Klingon. The first one since... First contact with uh, with Worf out there killing Borg on the, on the side of the uh, side of the ship, and she kind of gets slashed and thrown out into a weird orbit. But it also knocks the Klingon into something. I, this part wasn't quite clear to me. It wasn't clear to me that the Klingon died right there. I might have been looking down, taking notes at this point, but 
I didn't realize the Klingon died until the next scene that we get with the Klingons. So we go back to her crew who are looking for her and trying to save her. And the captain's like, damn it, Jim. Oh, we're going to find Sasha because she's the fucking star of this show. And we're not canceled yet, motherfuckers. Uh, that's because in The Walking Dead, she was a sniper randomly ch charged at people. Isn't that the opposite of what a sniper is supposed to do, says Corey. The opening credits were very Westworld, he says Iron. Maybe that's why I liked it so much. Nothing could ever be as cool as Gull Dukat, especially especially the, the heel turn by Dukat when you, you, know, you think he's going to be a friend of them and then he finally just switches sides and stuff. Dukat, best Star Trek villain ever. Best performance in Trek universe by an actor for me it's a hard not to give it to Garrick and especially in an episode like pale moon in the pale moonlight or even in pretty much almost every Garrick appearance minus season seven stuff. Cause he's a slightly different character in season seven. Cause he's more of come out, come out of his shadow, but any of the Garrick appearances in all the episodes, I think Andrew Robinson as Garrick is up there. You got to give uh Brent Spiner as data up, up there. So I'd say my two favorite like acting performances on star Trek would be, uh, Garrick, Andrew Robinson's Garrick, Brent Spiner's Data, and Leonard Nimoy's Spock. Then it would be McCoy, Kirk, Picard, Cisco, O'Brien, Bashir. It would, it would kind of go down that road. Like I'd have to really think about it. But my top two or three are probably pretty consistent. You can't deny how good of an actor that Leonard Nimoy was in his performances as Spock throughout the movies and the series. He made this, as much as Shatner's the heart or the bravado of it all. And through all of that, Nimoy was the like a re real talent, you know? And, and he had some of the harder moments to play and play a, play a character and created a whole thing. So... That's why I would necessarily give it to him over someone like Shatner and DeForest Kelly, who I thought were both excellent as well and would be in my top group. Dukat's up there too. Uh, Mike Mark Alamo, I believe his name is. I would definitely give credit to Armin Sh Shimmerman as Quark. Like so many great performances in Star Trek, but Garrick, Garrick and Data, my top two. No love for Vic Fontaine. Red Shirt number four fifty four did a pretty good job too. I agree. <laughs> no mention of Scotty. I'm going as fast as I can, Captain. Come on, give Vic Fontaine some love, Phil. What the fuck, dude? We don't, where's the Neelix love? Where's the Cass? Or what's that character's name? Cass. Also, real. If I'm going to Voyager, the Doctor. I love the fucking Doctor and Voyager. I I think there are some. That's probably my favorite character in Voyager, the Doc. Yeah, Mark Alamo. 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 The best line from Gar Garrick, the moral of the boy who cried wolf is never tell the same lie twice. It's funny you say that, Don. I was uh, I was saying that, I was talking about that in, I think, some other stream I did a couple of days ago where I was talking about someone lying. And I think that's one of the best, most interesting. It reminds me a lot of the How I Met Your Mother thing where Barney's looking at uh, the Karate Kid where Johnny is the hero and Daniel Sun's the villain. Some loser from New Jersey comes and beats the hero in the All-Valley Tournament. It's a cool opposite way of looking at something like that. And I think it's a true lesson in some ways too. I I think there's so much. I also really love Garrick. It's kind of a side episode. But the episode when, uh, I think it's maybe it's my man Bashir. The, the episode where, the Bashir-James Bond holodeck episode where Garrick's just the cranky, what the fuck am I doing here through the whole episode? I love his relationship, and and my favorite Garrick arcs are the two two parters he's a part of. The uh, the one that 
he rejoins his uh with his father and stuff the two that have to do with uh are, are Tane with uh with with Tane the the one where with the dies cast I believe it's not the dies cast it's the one with him and uh him and Odo go and he has to interrogate Odo and then the other one where they're at the prison and he is it he has to deal with his claustrophobia and and he's trying to do the undo the bomb or no undo so they can beam off the beam off the prison compound the episode where Worf is uh where we basically find out that Julian is a changeling and all of that comes together Garrick in that episode where he's in in there he's like I'm not gonna allow myself to get he's kind of talking to himself because no one's listening to you right now that's some of the finest performance I've ever seen like on television you know that's that's I just love that I love that moment that's one of my favorite Garrick moments Odo and Quark our man Bashir thank you Fucking great stuff. Great stuff in the live motherfucking chat. I love being able to talk some Star Trek with you guys. So let's continue with this episode. Michael, uh, the bat left, blah, 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 blah. So we're back in the Klingons, and then one of them's dead, and we get this another speech, and it's the first to die in this conflict that's going to happen. We see them honoring death. He opens his eyes. We get the Klingon screams. All that stuff dates back to what we know about the Klingons. Like it. Get more voiceover as the dead body becomes part of the ship and is joined to show the ultimate honor of these Klingons. And I want to say Worf might have even talked about something like this at some point in time. Could be making that up, but it feels like something that should exist. So even if even if this never happened, my my brain is wanting to project that we heard some Klingon talk about this somewhere sometime, that this used to happen, but... Maybe it didn't happen, but good job on the show for confusing me enough to make me go, oh, yeah, I buy this. I buy that the Klingons would fucking do this. Improbable cause in the Dice cast. I was right about the Dice cast. And then there's the other one that is in Purgatory, is an in Purgatory Shadow and, oh, fuck, I forgot. I'm bad with episode titles. Actually, I don't seem that bad with episode titles, not when it comes down to it. I'm doing pretty well, but... I'm not all, I know what happens in the episodes better than, and someone's saying Quark and Odo, my favorite Quark and Odo scene, and something that's going to be an upcoming review that I'm going to Deep Space Nine review is going to be the episode, The Ascent. I feel like the episode Ascent encompasses Quark and Odo's relationship completely, and I think it's the best example to, to go that, that and the last scene that they share in the final episode of Deep Space Nine. I think that's an, like a, a, to use to use uh, Michael uh, Michael Burnham's uh, number ones. It was sublime. Uh, Bashir had the worst writing, but the actor transcended the poor writing, which made Bashir okay. But unfortunately, his arc sucked. I do think, as an actor, he found the moments in that character. And especially, especially, it was interesting to change, you know, and have the genetically enhanced thing. Anyways, uh, Deep Space Nine for a different day. You, you don't want to get me off on a Deep Space Nine rant. So when we flash into Sasha in a coma or a dream of her childhood growing up on Vulcan, we get to know more about her right now, learning about the Klingons, getting some backstory. It's similar to the scene that we see in the movie with Spock going back and forth, getting the facts, going after, similar to Star Trek Four. we see that. Or no, is it Star Trek Four? Yeah. The beginning of Star Trek Four is Spock's retraining his brain. We also see it in the first J.J. Abrams movie, a scene like this where Spock's getting all these questions thrown at him at once. Now, Sasha, ultimately, it's when she sees all the death that the Klingon cause and it's connected to what happened to her parents. She can't handle the emotions of the situation and she sort of has a freak out and she runs in and she talks to Sarek, who is definitely one of the, uh, the nicest guys in the world. How did I get here? 
Oh, and Sarek just basically tells her it's not. She says, I want to learn Vulcan. And he says, yeah, it's not your Vulcan tongue. It's not the fact you don't know our language. The fact that you have a human heart. Sorry. So then she wakes up in the doctor's office and in grand tradition of Star Trek tells the Tells the doctor to go fuck himself. And I need to tell the captain something. And she runs in. She's like, the Klingons are here, motherfucker. The Klingons are here. The Klingons have been gone for thousands of years. She's like, listen, dudes. I know the Klingons are there. Like, we're sorry the Klingons killed your parents. No, it's not that my Klingons didn't fucking just kill my parents. I just fought a Klingon. They're fucking Klingons. They're there. So eventually the captain buys into it and they detect him. And the Klingon ship decloaks in front of them. I don't know. I'm calling it a bird of prey. It's a bird of prey. And the captain's like, go to sick bay number one. We have to call the Federation and tell them we've engaged the Klingons, which is a cool line. It's a call back to Star Trek The Next Generation where tell the Fe- tell uh, we've engaged, tell them we've engaged the Borg. And that's a that was a good cutoff point of a uh, commercial break in one of the introductory episodes of Next Generation with a with a br- cut to break with we've engaged the Borg. And Judd Z, Curzon, Esri Dax. Is Deep Space Nine on CBS All Access? Yes, it is. I thought the Klingons were to shoot their dead in a missile at enemy ships. Ion, that's what I thought too, actually. When they first set that up, I thought they were going to use it as a missile. And that's how they were going to fight in action. Damn, Skippy thinks that disinfectant hipster Vulcans are very popular in indie coffee houses. <laughs> So they try to hail the Klingons and they have a discussion from the the Kling, from the Klingons and we get more backstory that they all really believe in this leader. Talks to about one will light the beacon and set the beacon to get the rest of the Klingon ships. One guy pulls his hands and is like, I have no family. I'm going to be the guy you choose. He picks him and the guy gets in his face and then he believes and just shows you that this Klingon leader is a real inspiring Klingon leader that believes in his people. And blah, 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 blah. So then we get our science officer talking about the Klingon ships and his people and dead bodies. And I love this. I love this line. This is my favorite moment by him in the episode. One of my favorite moments in the episode. Very menacing. Compensating for capacity reduction. Their hull is covered in hollow ornamental metallic pods. Thousands of them tightly interlocked, forming a kind of armor. Not the most efficient defense. I suspect its purpose is more symbolic than practical. They contain Klingon biological material in various states of decay. Remote dating is wildly divergent. Some bones date back thousands of years, others only hours old. Their entire ship is covered with coffins. Commander, the captain listens to you. Tell her we must withdraw. I'm afraid that's no longer possible. has food chains. Mine does not. Our species map is binary. We are either predator or prey. My people were hunted, bred, farmed. We are your livestock of old. We were biologically determined for one purpose and one purpose alone. See, I love this shit. I love this sci-fi world building shit. To sense the coming of death. I sense it coming now. The Klingon flagship has a stealth mode. Oh, fuck. Seriously, intense as shit. I hope we get some Sung stuff. I hope we get uh, Brent Spiner popping up on this show. He's 
out there. He can still he can still work really well, and I'd love to see him in this universe somehow. Get Brent Spiner on the show. One wonderful stuff. Wonderful stuff that Romulan ale. Excuse me. Did the Klingons grunt and moan and randomly challenge people to death matches? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so let's continue. Let's get through. Let's finish off this recap here. So we get the captain talking to an admiral, and uh, we see Michael comes in here, and this is a funny scene too with her and the admiral. Some Starfleet has to blocking our hills. It feels like a setup. Maybe our relay got too close for Klingon comfort, and they destroyed it to lure us out here. You remember my first officer, Michael Burnham. Next time, you might try not disturbing the property of the warrior race we've hardly spoken to for a hundred years. Our only choice now is to navigate this situation with as much finesse as possible. Admiral, if I may. The ideal outcome for any Klingon interaction is battle. They're relentlessly hostile, sir. It's in their nature. The Federation and the- And right from the beginning, she's like, we need to engage these guys first. We need to fucking kill this thing and get the fuck out of here. Now, the captain will not leave uh, the soldiers. She- the captain said they're not going to leave here. This, she says this could be a diplomatic opportunity. And uh, Michael asks her, what does a soldier in you say? And she goes, nothing good. So they run to the bridge as, at first I thought it was an audio weapon, but it's the beacon. And it's just this high-pitched, scree screechy kind of thing. And they go to commercial break. They come back, they adjust some settings, and the, the sound goes away. And they she goes i need a subspace channel really quick and she runs and calls sarek her and sarek have a very interesting scene a good talk where we see that sarek cares about her i got caught between the word care and kill we also find out that klingons killed her parents and he kind of provokes her we see the dynamic of their relationship where he definitely has an affection for her in a sense but He's Sarek, and we all know what kind of guy Sarek is. And but Sarek is an interesting Vulcan if you really stop and think about it. We're gonna see Amanda later in the series. Sarek is someone that always married humans. Like I think even after Amanda died, he married another human, as we see on Deep Space on Next Generation when he showed up there. He's an interesting Vulcan, and I like that he's gonna be a part of this series because it makes sense. I wonder how much Spock Spock is gonna be mentioned, if at all. Uh it's that's just something that's an interesting dynamic that they have in the show that they can I hope I hope they don't overuse that but I wouldn't mind a reference here and there to see maybe why Spock never mentioned him never mentioned her of an understanding of yes I was half human and I also had a human ward someone that grew up around me or something like that so I'm I'm very curious to see how this develops, and I think there's a reason why Spock didn't mention her necessarily, and I think we may see or find out more about that. So, uh, yeah, Sarek has Earth Girl fever. <laughs> it's wonderful stuff that robbed me on the ale. It really is delicious. Damn it, Jim, those aren't Klingons. They're motherfucking Drezo. <laughs> so... They have a talk, and he talks shit, of course. We find out uh, they killed their parents. Sasha set, Sasha comes running out. She's like, how did the Vulcans handle the Klingons? How, how come you guys, you know, what did you do? And it cuts, and we ultimately don't find out what she says till afterwards. Sasha runs out, and she's like, listen, motherfuckers, you got to do this. Listen to me now. Absolutely not. They have empowered weapons. They don't appear to pose an imminent threat. The Klingon threat is always imminent and inevitable. Tactical logs, friend. Thank you, Mr. Gant. I'd like to remind you, we're wildly outgunned. 
240 years ago, near Hattoria, a Vulcan ship crossed into Klingon space. The Klingons attacked immediately. They destroyed the vessel. Vulcans don't make the same mistake twice. From then on, until formal relations were established, whenever the Vulcans crossed paths with Klingons, the Vulcans fired first. They said hello in a language the Klingons understood. Violence brought respect. Respect brought peace. Captain, we have to give the Klingons a Vulcan hello. If their intention is to attack, balling up our fists won't dissuade them. It would be logical for you to take into account my success rate during our seven years together. Way to go full Klingon on her right there, Sasha. You're, you're like, Okay, I tried the human route of getting to her lot, getting to her, uh, appealing to her senses right there, but now I'm gonna go all Vulcan. Actually, I've never been proven to be wrong, and I'm always an asset to you. You should fucking listen to me right now. My question is, if they had fired on the Klingon ship in that situation, would it have been okay? Or is the Klingons a motive and agenda right now to engage the Federation? So, if they had fired on the Klingons same shit would have ended up happening or it would have just escalate the situation. I personally think Sarek and, and Michael, <laughs> and Michael were, were on to something in this situation. And I know Sarek said to her, this worked for us and won't necessarily work for you, but it would have been an interesting take. I would have liked to see if her thing worked out here in this situation and she got a shot off. It would have been another dynamic to this that would have led up to uh, I can, an interesting piece of drama. But it, either way, it kind of really worked. So she starts basically yelling and going fucking, listen, we need to, we need to get that. This needs to happen. Get my plan without further challenge before we're dragged into war. Starfleet doesn't fire first. That's all, number one. We have to. Okay, Rich says, still bothered by the Klingons' appearances. This is prior to Star Trek where Klingons looked like Californians with overdone tans and Fu Manchu mustaches. Uh, then they took the war for the Christopher Lloyd look, if you want to go from that. Sarek loves human beings because they are in intriguing to him. It's almost like a pet. He has a very, he sees their potential. So he probably has an attraction to them and can kind of see it from that, see that they're, you know, relatively a good, a good species. Worf explains that the change was embarrassing to discuss in Deep Space Nine. I also, I did not watch it because, or I watched it once, but I have limited memory of it. I also think it's explored in an Enterprise episode as well of the Klingons thing. And spoiler alert, I believe it's a genetic thing that they changed to try to infiltrate. I don't know. It's like a certain sect of Klingons that had some genetic ab abnormalities that happened that created them to that sort of look. I believe is the description that ultimately get we get of that. I think it does get explored in Enterprise. But the Klingons, uh, the Klingons looked plastic. I agree. It wasn't necessarily even the redesign. I just think w what they chose for makeup or masks or CG or whatever didn't look as, and I mean this in the natural living way, not in the natural show way, organic. It didn't look organic. It looked plastic. It didn't look like, you know, skin and fucking shit. It looked like fucking plastic. But that 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 was only my that was my minor problem there. So uh, so let's continue. In my ready room, now. Now, motherfucker. So they she calls Sasha into the ready ready room to to scream at her. How dare you challenge me? Not in public. Do, do not argue outside the family, Sonny. Don't do that, Centino. You've been having uh. Too, too many of those girls? Too many of that large vagina girl? 
Anyone who read the Godfather book will... <laughs> no, I didn't make that joke out of nowhere. Did you realize that kind of talk can destabilize a crew? Don't underestimate them. I've overseen their exercises. They're ready for battle. Battle is not a simulation. It's blood and screams and funerals. I taught you better than this. We don't start shooting on a hunch and we don't take innocent lives, no. period. I understand your history with the Klingons. That's not what she, commitment to this That's not what she's saying exactly. She's understands she's got to read on the Klingons in this situation. You're you're in a dangerous per predicament. You're in a precarious situation here. You what or you take your lead. You got to take a lead in this situation and actually act. I know the Federation never fires on anybody, but again, if your first officer that you trust their instincts kind of has a lead on you, I understand what you're saying, Captain, but you're already in a conflict here. You're a Klingon attacked one of your, it, you aren't firing first. The Klingon striked first. It attacked and tried to kill your first officer that only, only was able to escape by uh, sheer luck of uh, outmaneuvering the Klingon outside in the space. So I don't know. They've already instituted the fact that this is a conflict situation. So if a potential way of mitigating this is by attacking them to get respect and your first officer has a bit of a read on the situation, I say you go with it. I get what Sasha did what she did here. It is not emotional. We target his neck. Walk just wanted to stop and wish you a good stream. Have a good night, everyone in the chat. Great to see you walking, David. Uh, this felt like a Janeway moment a little bit. Cut off its head. You're still injured. You're not How thinking so. lives will be lost because of failure to act. Whose lives? Victims of your imaginary war. Your life, Captain. Yours. Stand down, Commander Burnham. That's an order. I agree with what she does in this situation because, again, these are you're, these are Klingons. They respect – you talk to a Vulcan. She should have said, I talked to Sarek. Sarek is the, you know, XYZ and Klingon and the Vulcans. They've had success dealing – or she kind of does. We have to give them a Vulcan hello. I just think you go by the experience. We haven't seen the Klingons in 100 years. They just attacked you in that situation. I think you got to try. So Sasha brings the captain on in and gives her a Vulcan neck pinch. <laughs> Offering peace talks is like running from a lion. If you're already in trouble, you run, you're fucked. That's what makes the Federation wear body cameras, always trying to shoot first and pl and plant crack on the Klingons. And uh, says, uh, Dark, scary and Klingons, Scorpius. Eminem Klingon thinks he's tough. He burned his hand. Khaleesi walks into a funer uh, funeral pyre. So then... Then after all of that, Sasha comes out and she's in charge of the ship now, motherfuckers. The neck of that Klingon ship. Is the fire. plan to fire on the Klingons, Commander? Do we it. have to be ready in case that's what the captain decides. Fire, fire, fire. Are you acting on the captain's orders? I'm your superior officer. We are in a high-risk scenario. Question fire. chain of command again and I'll remove you. Commander, it's just... Your breathing is elevated. Perspiration is visible at your hairline. I, I love fear this. what you are doing betrays the wishes of our captain. Target phasers. Take your station, commander. This is mutiny. Move, Saru. 
tactical. We're locked on. Fire! Belay that order. And the captain comes out. Captain, please. And the captain comes out the last moment, and she's draws her fucking phaser rifle or her phaser out on uh, on Michael, and she's like, "Listen, Michael. I'm trying to save you. I'm trying to save all of you. Stand down." And just then, situation gets from ba- from bad to worse as she stops. The science officer calls her out, says it's mutiny. It's the captain's back. He's trying to save us all. The captain draws down and. Before we know it, we get some sensors that some people are on their way. Some ships are coming in. Is it the Federation? No. You just see on the screen all the fucking Klingon little uh, em- emblems pop up. Bam, 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 bam. Klingons, Klingons, Klingons. And then it it pans out. And then all the Klingons just zip on in there. Interesting sound effect. It's a little bit of a different sound effect. Not I'm not saying it bothered me. I just, I'm noticing it. Like coming out of warp sound effect is different than old than other star trek series they it's sort of a new sound like a whoop like a whoop sound don't mind it just noting that it's different and the ships come in zoop 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 and they're surrounding the fucking the uh the star trek uh shinzu or whatever it is shinzo and i'm gonna call it i'm gonna call it shinzon okay for obvious reasons the uh the the starship shinzon and and it's just it's a really intense moment and she's surrounded they're surrounded they're all fucked and everything's fucked and the klingons are about to destroy them and holy shit and we are left off all with our balls hanging on the ship waiting for the conclusion of this two-part episode really awesome cliffhanger like like not the kind of thing you want to have in an episode like this. Like a really good build up for the second part of a two part kind of thing. And the second part, live right now on CBS All Access. So if you want to pay six bucks, you can watch it now. I'm sure some people in the live on the fucking chat have already watched part two. I'm probably going to watch it after I'm done with this stream in a little bit or at least tomorrow afternoon. Actually, not that's not true. I'm doing a stream on another channel, so I have to watch tomorrow night, so I have to watch some Game of Thrones episodes. Poor me, but I'm going to be watching some Game of Thrones episodes, but probably going to watch Discovery after this or tomorrow night when Stephanie gets home. And Joe and I will be on later in the week, probably Wednesday, maybe Thursday afternoon at some point in time to to talk about episodes two and three and give our thoughts on that. And Joe can kind of give his thoughts on the whole series as well. So it's already on 12 pirated sites. It's already up. It's already go. I keep trying. It's not working. My screen won't stop loading. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Is, can anyone else? Is, am I okay for everybody else? The shins on. I like it. Yes, it really is a two-parter for people that have watched. Now for people that have watched the second half, I'm not worried about, you know, anyone that's very, very highly conscious of spoilers and doesn't want to be spoiled, please, you know, walk away. All I'm curious about was, does the second part of this keep the same level of intensity and the same kind of feel as part one? Is it a good conclusion of the two-parter? Because I feel like the first part this is a really good first part of a two-parter. And Star Trek, it felt really Star, like, like really Star Trek-y. Because it is Star Trek, I guess. Uh, anyway, it is the second part. Keep it up. That's my question to anybody that's watched it so far. 
Joe says, Thursday is good. Oh, Joe's still there. Cool. We'll figure it out. I have a work interview meeting at some point on Thursday, but we'll figure out a time that works on Thursday to talk. So sorry, everybody. You haven't seen it, Phil. Phil, here's what happens. Let me tell you, hey, when you do something like this, I'm fully prepared to always be spoiled. I just I care more about you guys being spoiled than me when it really comes down to it. So let's go over here. We have a voicemail from Joe Dirty Locks. So let's listen to Joe. We have two voicemails, one from Joe Dirty Locks, one from area code 774. So first of all, let's listen to Joe's voicemail. Let's see what, what Mr. Joe has to say about the episode, if he liked it or if he didn't. Or if he fell asleep and that's going to hurt it in his approximation. In episode two, they discover space dragons. Holy fucking shit. K-Rich thought it was great. They're calling uh, this up memory alpha. Was good too. Okay. Here we go. Hey, Phil, how you doing? Just finished watching Star Trek Discovery. Um, I kind of missed the beginning. I couldn't keep my eyes open, um, but I did see most of it, more like three quarters of it. I gotta say, I'm almost more impressed with the Orville. <laughs> I know, right? But uh, I don't understand why they had to, like, Let's recreate Klingons. Why didn't they recreate the Vulcans and shit, too? Like, it just, that really kind of pissed me off um, to just revamp. This is now, what, the third time or maybe fourth time they completely redo Klingons? It's at least the third. Yeah, they made them look weird. I didn't like the look of their ships, either. But, hey... Whatever, that's kind of just, uh, that's cosmetic stuff as far as the story went. It wasn't bad, a little bit too much focus maybe on Sasha, uh, just Michael, whatever her name is there. It just, it seemed like, it felt like the Sasha show, and she really fucking annoyed. Of course it feels like the Sasha show, she's the main character. I mean, she put the pinch on the captain in episode one. Are you kidding me? What kind of brat fucking shit is that? Like, uh, I'm sorry. Get off my ship. You're not my first officer anymore. I can't trust you ever again. <laughs> like, that's just... Yeah. It just... For for that... That's, all, that's like, very egregious. That's... She tried to mute me. In episode one, it's we like I don't know that it really is a mutiny or just it was definitely insubordination. It was definitely assault. It was definitely a lot of things. But uh, uh, as far as the cliffhanger thing went, you know, I'm definitely gonna watch the next episode. But it, it's definitely got promise. It definitely has promise. But I wasn't super excited. After what I saw, um, again, I'm really tired. I've been up for like a million hours. I worked, and I haven't really slept more than a couple hours this morning. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, everybody in the MSC, I love you, babes. And I'll talk to you midweekish. I'll see you live. Peace out, guys. Talk to you later,
Shut the fuck up, Joe. No, 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 I hear what you're saying, Joe. And if you're not feeling Sasha, I could see why too much focus on her would bother. But she is the main character of the show, so if you're not feeling her, that might be a problem for you long term, because I think she's our focus character for most of this series, even though I do think we're going to get some one-off stuff. But can't wait to talk to you more about it on Thursday, but that's Joe's Dirty Locks' thoughts and leaving us a message when he's obviously really fucking tired. So if anyone else has a voicemail or thoughts they want to get in about this episode as we start to wrap down this live stream, you can give a call at 781-990-8509. And that's 781-990-8509. Also, if you're listening to the podcast version of this later, as this is going to go out on our main feed, and maybe a Star Trek feed that's going to be created for this. Uh, you can leave voicemails as well because this line is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So please, 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 if you're listening to our podcast only, don't feel like you can't join in the fun with the live motherfucking chat and on voicemails. So 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 781-990-8509. Feel free to drunk dial that night. If you need someone to drunk talk to, you just fucked up out with somebody and you're, and you're, you're in a fucked up drunk state, I want you to drunk dial that number and bitch about a TV show or bitch about life, bitch about whatever you want to bitch about, and we'll play it on the air and have some fun. So use it as your uh, your your go-to issues hotline there. And the laid back Joe rant. Michael is, Michael is the main character. She's a guest star. Don't, don't drunk text one goal a week. And, uh, so let's play our second voicemail that we have here. No, 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 not wrong button. Motherfucker. What are you doing to me? I'm sorry, Phil. Don't be sorry, weird person in my mind that controls the board. Don't do that. No one wants that. And why are you looking? Like, I'm looking down. Why don't I look there more? And I'm, like, looking down at my screen like I'm reading something. I'm not reading anything. I'm just looking here. I should be looking there. I'll try to look at you more. <laughs> People listening to the audio cast, I don't give a fuck where you're looking. Asshole. Hey, I just uh, I, I, I'm a pretty good watcher of Star Trek. Didn't they introduce the old fashion of Klingon in Deep Space Nine? Didn't didn't um, uh, Worf say that we used to look different? Yes, yeah, and I'll play the rest of your message. But absolutely, in the episode Trials and Tribulations, I believe it's called, or is it uh, Trouble with Tribulations? No, it's Trials and Tribulations. Uh, Worf says, we don't speak about it with outsiders. And then I mentioned this earlier. I also think it's explored on an Enterprise episode where we get a little bit more in depth. And it's something like a genetic malfunction fuck fuckery or something like that. So this could be an offshoot of that particular Klingon uh, things or a different or at a point in time in these hundred years, they were experimenting with genetic resequencing and some shit like that. And this offshoot of the Klingons isn't representative of all the Klingons or something like that. That would be more interesting to me than a complete redesign of them. Cause I do agree with what Joe said. And I bitched about that a lot at the beginning. I don't, I was distracted. Stephanie too was when she was watching, she's like, I I'm really liking this, but what the fuck is up with the Klingons? And she's not even a star Trek, like, fan you know she hasn't even watched all of next generation or or anything like that she watched all of deep space nine because i made her but <laughs> but she's like this is really distracting me i don't like how these klingons look so 
So I understand uh, people's perspective of that. I'm just accepting it as, and Joe said this too, it's cosmetic, it's a thing, it's happening. We kind of have to deal with it at this point. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? <laughs> Phil displaying several of his dissociation identity disorder during an interview. <laughs> Cue the Kermit voice. The Klingons were hoodwinked into signing up for the Federation's extreme makeover. The science officer is a bit like the first ones of Babylon 5, says Ian. I don't know how. Joe, how do you feel about that? Do you get a tone of that? As Joe is our resident Babylon 5 expert in the live motherfucking chat. I love having Joe as a live motherfucking chatter. Hey, Joe in the live. We got Joe Dirty Locks in the live motherfucking chat. Motherfucker. Back in the day, I I I I enjoyed uh, the the new the new show, but I will not buy CBS. I uh, I own the other uh, the other shows, and I won't buy CBS. I don't know how I'm going to see the rest of it. If I will see the rest of it, but I I'm, I'm making a, a moral judgment not to buy another uh, streaming service. Yep. Um, I liked it. I appreciated. I appreciated uh, Star Trek in, in the in, in its immortal immortal. Uh, immature phase a long time before, before uh, uh, before D Space Nine, before um, Next Generation. Um, so yeah, I liked it. Um, thanks. No, and I and I was I was talking about that at the beginning too. I don't blame people for feeling that way, and I think that's the biggest shame of the entire series because I think. You know, Joe had some issues. Some people might have issues with the episode, but I think in general we can say it was a good quality Star Trek episode and the series has a lot of potential for being a good sci-fi series in the Star Trek universe. It felt like it meant it has its place. You can see where it has its place in this universe, and I like it. But it's unfortunate that the what the caller said, what my cousin Gotti said, what so many other big Trek fans that I know in my life that I could just keep mentioning people that aren't going to get that CBS All Access out of that same reason. I cut down on my cable costs for a reason. I'm not buying another streaming app. I'm just not doing it. And for those people, what I'm saying is I do believe CBS will eventually show all of Star Trek Discovery on the air. I think what they'll do is in between season one and season two, they'll show all of, I mean, season 1A and season 1B, is they'll show all of season 1A to try to get more people to subscribe to the CBS All Access thing. They'll be, and what I'm hoping is, and what my biggest fear is that if CBS All Access does not take off, that this series will not continue. Because I really did like this. I like it a lot. I like Orville too, not to go to what Joe was saying. And I'm not, I don't want to make this a world where you have to pick one or the other. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I don't, I'm not, I'll, he, th th that shit will not stand here. It's not, you don't have to be team Orville or team fucking Star Trek Discovery, team STD. I think that there's room in this universe of sci-fi. We've been in such a sci-fi drought. The fact that now we have two shows that give you very different versions of what Star Trek is. You give Star Trek Discovery, which really feels like Deep Space Nine, or it could be that good, in or in the way of like a long form story that I'd actually be interested in, some character development and all that stuff. Then Orville gives you that kind of next generation feel, and probably a lot of love to the original series too, as as the series continues, and a lot of fun comedy, kind of a light hearted nature, and I don't think it and it takes itself just serious enough to be fun sci fi. So I think. If you set yourself up in a situation where it's like, I got to like one or the other, that's a fucked up situation to be in. Fuck that. I, there's, a, there's enough room to like both series. 
And that's not to say you can't say I like one better than the other, but I know I've seen that a lot already where it's like, oh, fuck that. You know, it's one, you're team this or team that. No, fuck that. I'm not team shit. I'm team good TV and as much of it as possible. So give it to me. And so I, I like this point where we are in sci-fi. But my problem with Star Trek Discovery is not with the series itself. Again, it's with CBS. It's not because I'm cheap. I paid the $6. I got CBS All Access. I fucking, I gave in to the fucking... To the, to the strong arm. I, I smoked the joint and I needed to buy more because I liked it. I, I did. I fucking did. I want to watch episode two after I'm done here. I got to watch episode two. You know, and I was thinking about, you know, pirating the fuck out of it. And I probably easily could have done that. But I'm so worried that if CBS All Access fails, the experiment of doing this app too. I talked about some other problems I have with it earlier. That that's going to end this series. I hope that it goes to Netflix if this experiment fails and that the series could continue if people, if the interest in the ratings and the, and it becomes profitable for whatever. And I guess it will, if it becomes profitable, but it might be so tied to the CBS all access stuff that if this ends up being a fail for CBS, then the series might get dragged down with it. And I hope that's not the case. Exactly. Now you can watch 792 episodes of bold and the beautiful and 14 episodes of Family Ties. Because I don't want to watch any more than 14 episodes of Family Ties. But we might have to pick po- we might have to pick one or the other due to costs. Did they show the Good Fight spin-off network TV on all access? Yes, I'm not buying, it's not happening. Not sure about Star Trek. Just a trailer. Those Klingons are hideous looking, says Apulia. What part of Kronos do they hail from? I think Larissa and Bator come over <laughs> ass look better if Klingon's homeworld was bombarded with near two torpedo torpedoes. Every inclination of the Klingons all had hair. These don't even have hair. They look like reptiles. So the one question is, will the re- will the real Klingons please stand up? Please stand up. Please stand up. Like Netflix, but you can only watch one network. Sure, sign me up. See what I mean? It's it's like I can't argue with any of that. And I feel like that's gonna end up being the louder scream rather than it's a good series. I think that's going to get lost in this sort of fuck you CBS for this shit. And I think that is a shame, but it's also a reality. And so I hope they fucking, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I hope. I'm sort of weirded out. I'm sort of at a weird place because I do really love, love this and I want the show to continue and I'm excited to watch it. And I'm strong armed into paying my $6 a month. But I'm canceling you. I cannot cancel CBS all access enough after I watch those two sets of episodes. And this is coming from someone that likes watching old shows. I'm going to watch those 17 episodes of Growing Pains, not Growing Pains, uh, Family Ties, whatever. <laughs> teen, teen fucking family drama from the 80s, family comedy from the 80s. I'm going to watch the some fucking Survivor season I haven't watched in a while. Like, like I'm going to I'm going to use the app, but I'm not going to feel good about it. I'm not going to feel good about it. I'm going to feel dirty. I'm going to feel like, fuck this. I don't want to do this. I'd rather be watching Netflix right now. No, but it is what it is. I think they're two separate things. CBS and all that shit is, is, I was just going to say, sound really Boston-y and go, dude, it's fucking wicked fucked up, dude. No, it's fucking wicked. Dude, the fucking CBS shit with this fucking crap is fucking wicked fucked up, dude. But the series, for me, is good and I'm trying to not let one interfere with the other if that makes sense cancel in between 1a and 1b no need to pay them an extra month month 
Nothing like Supernatural, 13 seasons going. Orville, not good TV, just good guilty pleasure. Way to stimulate the economy, Phil. No, they are not, Phil. CBS has been paying, uh, has been a paying stream for more than two years. This has been going on before Star Trek. They're never going to show it on television. I hope they will. And Keisha, great to see you in the live motherfucking chat. Great to see everyone in the live motherfucking chat tonight. You guys have been un. Believable. Thank you for joining me tonight to talk about this Star Trek episode. The first episode, the, I was going to say the Klingon hello. The Vulcan hello. And I'm hoping for, I can't wait to watch the next episode of this series, which I can watch right afterwards. So it's right after this, which is cool, but I get, I wish they showed, uh, I wish they blocked this out and showed it and showed both two hours as one giant block of entertainment on television and then kind of lead into it. But that's just me me saying that's more and more. I kind of already talked about that. I already talked about my perfect scenario with the CBS All Access if they were going to do it this way. They chose to do it this way. Fuck it. I think I said this right when it was announced when Gotti and I did a stream a couple of years ago whenever the series, a year and a half ago whenever the series was first announced, I did sort of a you can find it on the channel somewhere. Star Trek reaction. I kind of bitched about the CBS All Access thing right away. But it is a thing. And at a certain point, you got to just accept it is what it is. And I got to like it or not. And so to talk more about the series, I really like this episode. Good lead up. Good build up to a good cliffhanger. Lots of fun. Lots of fun character moments. I think it's going to be great for character explore, ex, exploring and exploitation i wanted to say get really good at getting into characters and learning who they are as people i think we're gonna get more of that in this series it's gonna be more like deep space nine in that sense i'm interested in the narrative learning more about the klingons and and them at this at this point in their development i don't like how the to go to a couple of things i don't like hate how the klingons fucking look they look fucking shitty i don't care what anyone tells me get over it i'll fine i'll get over it it's cosmetic I'll fucking get over it. If something's good, it's good. I didn't like... I was just going to talk about the Ninja Turtles Nickelodeon series. I don't necessarily love the animation of the Nickelodeon Ninja Turtles series, but it's still fucking good with the writing and the action. I can get over the way something looks if everything else is good about it. So if they actually capture the Klingons, which I think they did really well in this first episode, if the Klingons had looked normal or maybe a little different, but this... Don't want to bitch about it too much, but seriously, what the fuck? Like, if they had just been subtle differences, but someone said it in the live chat, they don't have any hair. They look like reptile creatures. They look completely different. Why did this need to happen? Was there something wrong with the way the Klingons looked? Like, I, they did. The, and Joe said they didn't do it for the. They did it for the Romulans in the movies. If you look at the way Nero and all of his people look, they look different than Vulcans. They don't necessarily look the same. They kind of did a redesign on that. I don't get that necessarily. You can make things look more intimidating and go down that road and make a more raw, not quite as developed Klingon, but to completely redesign it in this way, maybe I'll grow to like it eventually, but I just think it's a, a dumb decision. <laughs> I think I th and it's not so much a dumb decision. I just think it's poor execution. I think if you want to do a slight redesign, I get it. The Klingons, someone, someone said that in the live chat. Klingons have been redesigned a couple of different times. That's fine. You want to do a slight different thing, bring a, 
a look, make them look a little bit more bestial or something like that because it's an earlier time before they're quite as civilized or something, whatever, you want, and they're more base raw or war or you want to do that, that's fine. You do something like that, but completely changing them to look like a completely different thing, they look, do you know what they look like? They look like the Remans from Star Trek uh, Nemesis. They, that's exactly what they look like. And they, I don't know, it just doesn't work for me. And it kind of takes me, it makes it hard for me to, and you can see even in the recap that I did in the Klingon sections, I was like, yep, the Klingon said this and that because I wasn't paying attention to the dialogue. I was looking at the screen like, <sighs> the new Klingons dress like reptilian Zindi. <laughs> Beard gone like the Klingons. Not to be confused with the Irish goodbye. Discovery was supposed to be their first show, but got delayed. Cancel in between A and B. Let's go back. The, uh, you're good, Phil. Keep going, Kyle dude. That made me think of the Teenage Mutant Turtle arcade game, Shell-Shocked, and Pizza Time. So on that note, everybody, it's been very awesome talking to you tonight. It's time for me to bid you adieu. If this is your first time checking us out and you enjoyed uh, talking about Star Trek, I'll be back to pretty much talk about every episode. Sometimes I may miss a week, like I miss a week, and then kind of talk about two episodes at once. I'm not sure necessarily when the Star Trek reviews are going to live because there's a lot of stuff clusterfucking around at the same time. But I will find a way to talk about pretty much every episode of this series. Uh, I'm not sure because. Next Sunday, I will be on with The Walking David talking about the Curb Your Enthusiasm premiere. And then on, maybe on Mondays, I will talk about Star Trek Discovery on Monday evenings or something like that. That's when those reviews will live. I'll have to figure that out for sure. But keep an eye out. Please subscribe to the channel. Give this video a like if you enjoyed it. And please share the channel with a friend. I'm going to also be doing a lot more Star Trek stuff about old Trek, specifically probably a lot of Deep Space Nine stuff, but I'll also talk be talking about Dr. Sung's mighty big genius. He built a dude data with an android penis. Fuck that girl Tasha and the Borg Queen too. You better watch out. He's coming for you. I'll also be talking about some data, some Star Trek next generation, some uh, original movie stuff. A couple weeks ago or, or last week, I did a review on my Star Trek movie rankings. So check that out for more Star Trek stuff. There's also a review of the Star Trek episode in the Pale Moonlight somewhere on the channel in the back. I'll try to pop some of those videos in the description box. Links to those in the description box below if I can remember tomorrow. But everybody, thank you so much. It's fucking pizza time. I think my first Deep Space Nine review is going to be a Garrick video. I did a Garrick video a couple of years ago on a different YouTube channel that has been blocked. So basically what I want to do, without the clips that I played from it, I want to do almost repeat what I say on it <laughs> and do it on this channel and kind of go off in a riff or something like that. But I'm going to do it live and show some pictures instead of showing clips from the episode, talking about the episode past, pro past prologue, the first Garrick appearance, and in general about the character Garrick. Then my next Deep Space Nine video I'm going to do is a Quark, Quark and Odo video and just in general Star Trek pairs. Like what are some of the best pairs in all of Star Trek? And it's going to be based around Quark and Odo, spoiler alert, my number one, my favorite pair in all of Star Trek. So, uh, so yeah, that'll be a couple of the Star Trek contents coming up soon on the video as well as lots of 
discovery stuff, occasional. Not, I don't think I'm going to be talking about every episode of Orville, but I will be talking about occasional episodes of Orville as well, and maybe on more on the Friday cast when I talk about it, lots of stuff. So please stay subscribed. Please uh, click that little bell. I know YouTube's been a fucking asshole lately with notifying people, so make sure you're signed up for notifications just in case because I guess it's the best chance you get to find out when we go live. But I am going to review the episode, The Ascent. Absolutely. At one point in time, I'm going to go back and episode review a lot of Deep Space Nine episodes and individual Star Trek episodes. Absolutely. If you have any review reviews, re- review requests, you can always email me at igotissuesman at gmail.com. You can also join our Discord group. We have a Star Trek room that you can pop on in there and talk about any Star Trek stuff. You can uh, jump on in, but you can also message me privately on Discord. Uh, get me on Twitter, get me on Facebook, find us at Phil's Recap and Review, sign up there, and you can message me there. If you have any requests for Star Trek-type videos you might want me to do, always looking for thoughts about that as I'm always down to do things, but don't always sometimes need someone to go, here, here's your topic, just fucking go. So always appreciate any suggestions and reviews. But anyways, guys, if you haven't already and you enjoyed this, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, Talk to you guys next time for more Star Trek fun. I will be on another channel tomorrow night. Uh, Share that in the description box below. Uh, I'll be on Teflon TV talking about some Game of Thrones stuff. Uh, I think about 7 o'clock. So look forward to that uh, that video. It should be fun. So, uh, so yeah, it should be a good time. And I will talk to you guys next time. Sorry, I'm looking for some music, so I'm stalling. Where the fuck? Fucking play a fucking song already, asshole. (laughs) Talk to you guys next time. Bye. What's my problem? I Star Trek stream, I got to play this song.
Yeah.